Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 7th of April 2011. I always start off this talk by suggesting you look into cuttingthroughthematrix.com and help yourself to the audios which are there for a free download. There's hundreds to choose from and hopefully you'll glean some understanding of the big system into which you're born and the many layers of what they now call governance that controls you. It gives you your thoughts, in fact, gives you your your fads, gives you your hobbies even, and gives you your fashion, your music, um, the culture that you're living in, and the changes in the culture too, uh, the system as well, the social system. Everything uh, is really worked out at very high levels, way above you and above even the politicians that you think you elect. But they're not elected by you, of course. They're actually put in there by the Council on Foreign Relations for America and Canada. And, of course, it's for the Royal Institute of International Affairs for Britain. They also have their club now for the whole of the European community, European uh, organization, which really is still run by the Royal Institute of International Affairs. And Soros is at the head of the one for Europe, so that tells you all you need to know there. So help yourself to the audios. Remember, too, all the the, the uh, sites I have up listed on the comm site carry transcripts of a lot of the talks, too, for print-up. And if you want transcripts in other languages, go into alanwattsentinel.eu and help yourself to the variety offered. There's a, a bunch to choose from. And you'll see uh, the Sentinel site on on the, the comm site as well. It takes you directly to it. Remember, too, you're the audience who bring me to you because I don't, um, I'm not pushed by any big organization. And you'd be surprised at some of them out there who are. And um, I don't get backing uh, for the books and so on that I sell. So it's up to you to keep me going by buying my books and this, uh, and hopefully I'll keep uh, on for a little while longer as we go through these amazing changes. And that's the only reason I came out uh, into the public was to start to share some of this knowledge before uh, it was, we, we, we really r- rapidly would transform into the new society. I knew it was coming for a long, long, long time because I'd read the books by the CFR and others. From the US to Canada, remember you can purchase my books and this with a personal check or an international postal money order from your post office. Uh, cash is okay, and you can use PayPal to order or donate as well. If you want to order, use the PayPal button on the comm site and follow it up with uh, your name, address, and order in an email, and I'll get it out to you. Across the world, Western Union, MoneyGram, some people send cash, and you can also use PayPal again to order or donate. Remember, straight donations are certainly welcome because it's very expensive to do what I do. And it's not a job. It's uh, it's <laughs> Sometimes I think it's a, it's a futile, masochistic thing I'm doing, actually, is going through what I'm doing, because I don't try and appeal to uh, the crowd, uh, the, the large groups, because 
individuality is the only way that this could possibly change for, for the world or any country within the world or any area within the, any country within the world. Believe you me, because the crowds are too easily manipulated. Individuality was a recent phenomenon, really, from the 1700s onwards. And then uh, the big boys with their banks and so on, have, who really use you as a hare to work in their factories or in whatever kind of employment they give you so they can tax you, use you for the military, use you for the big plans you have abroad for the global society. Uh, they give all these ideas to you, they use you, and then they discard you when you're of no more use. They don't keep pets around, I keep telling the public that. And unfortunately, the public, uh, being descended from tribal organizations long, long ago, are so easily fooled, they still think in the terms of we and us. And even if you got a group together under the right wing or the left wing, you'd be surprised how many variations of we and us there is in it. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, we're back, cutting through the matrix, and as I say, this matrix is a, a system that was in existence long before you, or most of your ancestors, in fact, were born, because it's been on the go for an awful long time. It's, when you think about it, um, when money was created, and money, money, money was on the go in other forms, of course, apart from coinage. Coinage came in about 800 BC or so, and before that, they used to have, they used to weigh it out in raw form sometimes, and the, the ore, or they would actually make big sort of bangles around their arms. They just twisted it round, round their arms, very soft metal, and they'd cut off a piece here and there in the ancient times, especially in the Middle East where most of it was used. And silver, of course, was really predominant for a long time, then gold came in later. And um, when you go into the Phoenicians and other peoples, the Phoenicians uh, in ancient times were... The, they were really the international bankers of ancient times, and they were also the the uh, merchant bankers. They ran the, court, the big routes for merchandising and so on. But they, a lot of the deals they'd make with countries who wanted to invade other countries, and they'd put up the cash for them on loan, of course, and compound interest, was that they would also get a share of uh, the, the surrendering enemy, and they'd use them as slaves. And those slaves would work in the mines, and uh, they actually averaged how much uh, gold each slave would get out before they died. They were just worked to death, literally. And they found these mines as far off as Euro, the Euros in, in Russia today. Uh, they certainly got around the world. And really, money is supposed to be a means of exchange. And we've all heard the nonsense about how we're supposed to be able to create our own money. It's true enough we're supposed to be able to do it, but I don't think you, can any, you could ever get any honesty uh, with a system with money in the first place, to be honest with you. Uh, bartering's about as honest as you can get, where you simply barter what you have with someone else and you haggle out uh, the weights and measures of oatmeal or whatever it happens to be. Once you bring a third party in who trades the cash and loans it out, now you're in trouble because, again, with the nonsense with inflation and deflation, they can say that bag of oatmeal is only worth so, so much today because this gold coin is deflated or inflated or whatever it happens to be. So those who want to really get rich in the world sometimes are thought of as being aberrant, 
to the species because really how much do you need to live in, in, in actual just living, living circumstances, that is. But, of course, everyone's born into this system of money today where you have fears built in with you because the fears are fear of loneliness, poverty, sickness, and no money to help yourself out, um, having no home. Uh, all these different worries play upon the people, which, again, can exacerbate and neuroticize uh, natural needs to survive because they're really above all the things we naturally need to survive. They have this thing called money. That's what you need to survive, not hard work or planting anything. It's money because even if you can plant your own stuff, the government comes in with its regulations and may push you out of business so you can't feed yourself or it confiscates your land because you can't pay taxes. You need money to pay the taxes. So it's, it's, a, it's always been a scam, always. But what it did was to allow an elite class, even in ancient times, to rise up. And they employed the upper leisurely class of the middle class of those days. And these guys had all their thinking for them, of course. Their writing for them, their planning and their scheming. And technically nothing has changed. We just have fancy titles for the groups and organizations and think tanks. They're employed to make sure that the elite and their great plans go off down to the future as we help them get there and then we're cast off as being useless or eradicated, as the case may be. So that's really what it comes down to with money. There's no fair system. And even countries that had good systems like Canada, and I've mentioned the video before, it's called Oh Canada, um, as well we're seeing of how Canada was debt-free. Uh, through the, the depression and everything. Leaders from all over the world came to see how it worked. It was rather simple, but again, again, eventually the big banking boys, international moneylenders, the guys who lend to nations, uh, bought their, their way in through corrupt politicians because money has that tendency to, to corrupt people and it's just too easy to, to buy people off. And then they put their own boys in eventually and they form clubs to make sure that only their boys get in. And the whole world basically is like that today. They, they call it democracy. A nice term, of course, because they give a fake reality to the people at the bottom. And they make sure you're well entertained. You, they even make sure that you think you're well informed about things. But the same people who own the world and its resources and so on own the, the media. Uh, they own the licensing corporations from government. They own everything, basically. And this is the system of totalitarian control into which you're born and you presently live. And they have their plans for the future. They have lots of plans for the future. They're always at least a hundred years ahead and more actually, um, from, from the gleaning information from their think tanks of all the what ifs of the possibilities that could be there. We've heard uh, people like Rumsfeld, for instance, it's a very good, uh, little YouTube uh, clip out there somewhere where he goes on about the, the unknown knowns and known unknowns and unknown unknowns, etc., etc. What he's saying there is all the stuff that comes from the think tanks where they take every possible thing that could go wrong in the world, including nuclear disasters, including getting hit with comets or meteorites or whatever, and they, they try to figure out ways that they, this elite could survive. And it's not a new thing. They've been doing this all along. They've had their underground bases all through the Cold War using your tax money to ensure that they do indeed survive. And we've had articles in the mainstream too about incoming uh, possible asteroids and all this stuff. They literally leave nothing to chance. But they also go through everything with military strategy to do with social policy. 
because the public have a function that is to be a good, dutiful citizen, uh, work and consume and do what you're told, go to the army when they tell you to go and fight and kill whoever they want to kill at the time, and then come back and work and pay taxes. That's your duty as basically a citizen. It's an interesting term, citizen, because it started a long time in ancient times too, when money came in and the first cities were formed. Cities could not be formed, in fact, without cash, without money flowing. They can't feed themselves in a city. They live on a kind of supra type of work, which is to do with passing paper around and numbers around and to do with, with companies and so on. Not with actually manufacturing anything in, in itself as such. So this is a system into which you're born, and you've all noticed, I'm sure, that you're rapidly changing. It's all rapidly changing around you, and the big boys are on a move. Uh, and it's a move that was planned a long time ago. They're not um, hurried up because of uh, what's happening in Japan at all, uh, although they'll use that to their advantage. And they're, they're going ahead with what they said that they do with, for instance, the Bretton Woods Agreement Part 2. I've talked about that for a few years because... Uh, John Maynard Keynes was a guy who gave you your present monetary system and for the governments to adopt and basically the off the gold standards, all that kind of stuff. But he, Keynes himself, said that this would only be part one and now, of course, we've got part two coming up. The IMF's been pushing for it and um, I've talked before, you've heard it in my archive section, where Keynes' speech, his, his last speech was, was um, published and he talked about the part two that would come in. Now, Keynes was an ardent Fabian-type socialist. And again, I, I have to tell socialists, a lot of socialists don't really know, really know what socialism is. They think they know what it is. And I've talked to many of them. I've talked to Marxists, too, that had never read Lenin or anything else. Justice for the working man, that's what they think. And a lot of socialists think, well, it's when government puts the cash that they take off you back into the, the society. And that sounds all wonderful, but you understand those at the top have a higher understanding and a different understanding of socialism. It was the same with communism. Uh, the Politburo were given one version of what they were working for. The working class were given a different version. And Lenin himself said only the top members were allowed to know the true goals and aims of communism. It's the same with socialism. But we've had enough of uh, slaughters throughout the, the last century, and here we are into this world doing more slaughtering, pretend, pretending with this farce it's for to bring uh, equality and social democracy across the planet. Utter rubbish, the stuff that was put out by the think tanks for George Bush is being used by Obama, who has even been congratulated for, by Rumsfeld of the New American Century Group, who planned all these invasions back in the 90s, by the way, uh, for carrying on the same tradition. But Obama, or no, makes no difference because I don't care if you put a puppet up there, I mean a literal puppet on strings, uh, or even a Muppet, uh, on, uh, that would do the job just as well, because they're given their lines to speak, uh, their, their scripts are written for them by professional script writers who have, are more savvy about the agenda than the, the front men who have to read them. And we're on a roll now into this new world order, as they say. The New World Order has been uh, always transitioning itself uh, for, for years into parts. It's, it's partitioned, part one, two, three, four, etc., etc., etc. And I've said for years, uh, this uh, 21st century was to be the new century, the century of change. And that was a term uh, used by academia 
talking, uh, who of course are all funded by the big foundations which run, uh, are run on behalf of the banking boys, again the banking elite families. And the century of change was to bring in a world type of collectivist socialism run by professionals above them, academia, who would run the world in a non-democratic fashion. They'd know what was best for us and we'd simply have the laws thrown upon us, heaped upon us in fact, and we'd simply obey. It's as simple as that. It's as simple as that. And that really was the goal too of Fabian socialism for those who don't know what socialism really is. Uh, there's still that link up there. I, I, um, I went through the Soviet story and on there, of course, you have, um, one of the founders, George Bernard Shaw of Fabian Socialism, giving his speech about, uh, the world to come. This same H.G. Wells in type of utopia where they would, you'd have to go to the big boys and defend your right to exist to them. He wanted to gas all the useless eaters. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, we're back and we're cutting through the matrix, just talking about the big system and how it's going along the way it's supposed to go because they've been telling us what they're going to been going to do for years from sites like the Council on Foreign Relations and their Foreign Affairs magazine and other other articles that they put out there by the big think tanks, the big workers and shakers for the world that they're employed, of course, by the big international bankers. Look into the foundations of the Royal Institute of International Affairs dash Council on Foreign Relations. See the, the guys who started it up, the Rothschilds, uh, Milner, Lord Milner, and uh, who was German as well, and um, and of course their sons, of course, took over, and they actually fomented wars and owned medias to tell them that their sides had attacked, like the Boer War. They got the Boer War going because they wanted to grab uh, the diamonds, fields, and the gold and silver and so on. This is factual. It's in the history books, and their own um, uh, historian, Carl Quigley, wrote about it in Tragedy and Hope and the Anglo-American Establishment, the two books that you have to read to understand any of this uh, that's really going on. And, of course, they want to bring in a, a world socialist-type system. They uh, greatly admired the communist system because it, it created instant obedience. You get things done quickly. Same in China. That's why they love China. And uh, uh, China, of course, gets an order from the top and everyone jumps into action and simply obeys. There's no arguing like you do uh, in a so-called democratic society. We just get a show off the arguing because they all drink in the same pubs, basically. It doesn't matter what side they pretend they're on. But this is the, the reality in which we live. Uh, a communistic society, they're divvying up the world. They've already grabbed most of the resources of the planet. They're, they're big corporations, which they're, they own literally own the food supply of the world. They own, they're going for the water supply of the entire planet too, the drinkable water. And most folk out there are so brain injured with their indoctrination. And, and there's an incredible entertainment. I mean, who'd have thought that entertainment was, was the best drug to keep everyone dozy and stupid as all this is happening. But, they have raised generations on television, and now they're going much further than just TV. And it works terribly, terribly well. 
because people will escape from the negative into what they think is the positive, which is actually fiction, escapism, you see. And that's what they counted on back in the 30s and 40s when big players for the same organization wrote in their own books that uh, they would create an egocentric society, people who would seek pleasure and avoid pain. And narcissism would be pushed to its extreme. Well, you've got all of that today. And, and yet they don't know that, they're, that Rome is burning, basically. They don't know. And they can't imagine it ever happening. It was the same when the Goths and all the other ones invaded Rome. You'll find out, if you read Gibbons or any of the other historians on Rome, you'll find out that uh, the people inside were actually partying. Big parties were going on at the time, big balls. And they couldn't believe when they were told that literally the barbarians were at the gate. They couldn't believe it. It doesn't happen to them. And the same thing is happening now as big movers and shakers all outside of governmental offices are working with government to bring in the system because government was bought and paid for a long time ago. If there ever was a free government, it was conquered a long time ago and taken over a long time ago because they're all on board on the same agenda. They have told us we all exist to serve the economy. Really? Is, is, that, is that why you exist, to serve the economy? Do you know that's your reason for being? Well, that's what they tell you. Your reason to exist is to serve the economy. What's the economy? It's whatever they say it is. And it also means that they must tax you, you see. They've got the right to tax you. Tax means labor. Labor. You tax yourself when you labor, you see. And they're taxing you. They call it taxes. It sounds better than labor because technically um, anyone who took money off your, off your, your labor, which was actually your own labor, uh, was putting you in a form of slavery. If it wasn't your employer, it was, then it's a form of slavery, you see. But we're conned left, right, and center. Anyway, George Soros, as you know about George Soros, he's an incredible psychopath, uh, well chosen, mind you, for his past histories. And picked up by Rothschild, that it was, in fact, who picked him up. He's the kind of guy that they want. And uh, he literally was risen to the ranks of a multimillionaire doing scams and sinking economies across the planet. But he is, is pushing for Bretton Woods Part 2. Just coincidentally, that's what the IMF was prattling on about, about a year and two years ago, uh, Bretton Woods Part 2. And I read all that stuff on the air at the time. So, remember, it ties in, too, with this new world order because they've said that the Council of Foreign Relations and governments have said it, too, with, with private uh, public partnerships uh, that um, they're also bringing in philanthropists, big, rich philanthropists, into this new makeup of the, the world to make decisions for us, people you don't elect, you see. And it says, apparently megalomaniacs need schedulers. This is from Fox News. Ask George Soros, the left-wing billionaires helping fund two major conferences start on the same day in two different locations, just three hours apart by car. Two liberal events packed into one long weekend. God created the world in six days. Apparently Soros, who sees himself as some kind of God, needs just a long weekend to start remaking today's world in his image. Now, he's obviously a front too, and he is a front. But he's got the right stuff. He's a pure, pure, utter psychopath. It says the emphasis of both conferences is a familiar one to American voters. Change. Change is good. And Soros wants to begin by changing the global economy in one event. And the other, they want to change the world and change the media. 
Back with more after this break. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. Hi, folks. We're back, cutting through the matrix, just talking about George Soros, just one player of many frontmen that are out there who are brought up to be multi-billionaires, and they do work for a master, of course. And uh, believe you me, if he wasn't, uh, if he was was a lone ranger here, he'd be bumped off by much bigger fish than him. But anyway, he says here, it says here that uh, the first gathering in Bretton Woods, New Hampshire, is an economic conference source once described as a grand bargain that rearranges the entire financial order. He's talking about the planet, remember. In October 2009, Soros committed $50 million to the Institute for New Economic Thinking. A week later, the glib lefty investor wrote a column calling for a new Bretton Woods event to recreate the one that helped design the post-World War II economy. Only he wants this one to knock America down a peg or three. It'd be more than three, believe you me, with a debt. Now, it's been a little over a year, and the group he funded is making King George's wish come true, uh, bringing together a whole slew of important people to discuss how to change the global economy. And Soros speak, that means establish new international rules and reform the currency system. Well, that ties in with, with IMF's on about two with a new global currency and special drawing rights, of course. As his announcer, as his speakers include a lot of prominent lefties, globalists, and econ- economists on the board of the organization. And, and by the way, a lot of right wing too, because it's, they're all the same. I mean, and you need two wings to, to fly the bird, you see. He is throwing the event. More than two thirds of the overall totals have ties to Soros. To underscore their connection to history, INET, that's the $50 million company that you formed, is hosting the conference at the Mount Washington Resort, the very same hotel that held the first gathering. So this is not uh, happenstance. It's meant to be a very real big event to reshape the, the world's currency. But what an awful history this guy's got when you look into it. Um, a born psychopath, he he turned Jews in during World War II, and he was a Jew himself, and he was rewarded for doing it, and he actually said he'd never regretted it and had the best years of his life. Uh, just astonishing psychopath, and that's why he was picked up, of course, by uh, the better camera-type uh, psychopaths who had many generations of uh, managing the planet. And um, I'll, I'll put these links up. Remember, it cutting through the matrix.com at the end of this particular broadcast. And as this is happening too, we have all these global societies now that started off as private organizations, and Interpol was also started off, by the way, by the Rothschilds, and Interpol chief calls for global electronic identity card system. Says the head of Interpol has emphasized the need for a globally verifiable electronic identity card system for migrant workers at an international forum on citizen ID projects, e-passports, and border control management. Now, this is for the whole world. That means it's for everybody, not just for migrant workers. As he's speaking at the fourth annual EMAID World Summit, Interpol Secretary General Ronald K. Noble said that regulating migration levels and managing borders presenting security challenges for countries and for the world that Interpol was ideally placed to help address. That means, because they're all in league, of course, with the big boys that sell all the ID stuff and all the, the, the X-ray scanners that uh, do wonderful things for your 
genetic mutations. But anyway, I'll put that link up too. And then um, Britain is way ahead of where the U.S. is to go. I should, I should say it's not way ahead at all. They could bring it in very quickly in the U.S. too. And, and it's really the, the flagship for the world to copy. Uh, it's already got its communitarian projects well underway as they pretend to decentralize government and bring you down to the collectivist society living in your own little neighborhood with your little pre-selected leaders, of course, just like the Soviet system was run. Um, Soviet means ruled by councils. And, of course, the councils are, are already set to, to, to take off and run you and organize your lives. Neighborhood plan pilots announced the first 17 communities to test neighborhood planning. A key feature of the localism bill had been named by decentralization minister, politician, that is, Greg Clark, Greg Clark. People in these communities, a mix of cities, urban and rural areas, will be able to decide the types of development, development given automatic planning permission through a neighborhood development order. Now, of course, the, the ones who already ran uh, the cities, the money boys uh, and, the, and the urban areas will also obviously be in charge of these boards. But they're going to start doing away with elections altogether for councillors and so on. They're appointing mayors, in fact. And there's two other articles to go with that, too, because it, the, the, they're giving out um, new, a new system to literally uh, tax you if you want to build a home. So even to build a home now might cost you twenty to thirty thousand pounds to begin with, just for the taxes to to build your little. You know, if you were a, a turtle, you'd have more rights carrying your, your house around on your back, or, or a tortoise. Believe you me. As than a human being in this day and age. Of course, they can't make a turtle or a tortoise pay up. That's the only difference. But how disgusting when you, you cannot just throw up a, a shack if you want to and live and be left alone. Eh? But of course, this is an economic system and your function is to serve the economy, as they say. Now, Salt Lake City is going uh, cash-free, the first city in the States, um, it's going wallet-free, it says, with the new system called ISIS. Oh, they love the little jokes, don't they? ISIS. Uh, it says, um, Operator Consortium ISIS has selected Salt Lake City as its flagship the deployment, deployment to show the rest of the USA what NFC can do uh, for them. Oh, it's all to, it's all to do something for you. Uh, you know, there's something they could take us like the Pied Piper over the cliff edge by giving us these services, eh? The plan will see Salt Lake City's public transport system accepting pay-by-wave from a mobile phone in the middle of next year. Retailers have also been encouraged to adopt near-field communications technology at the point of sale. A Salt Lake City strives to become the place you can leave your wallet at home. <laughs> ISIS was set up less than six months ago. A consortium of U.S. network operators including AT&T, T-Mobile and Verizon. The consortium is dedicated to ensuring that electronic payments based on NFC keep their secure element in the SIM. Under the, that's for the Simians, I guess. You know, that's what we are. Under the control of the network operator, not the handset manufacturer or bank card supplier, by promoting the technology and business models associated with it. In Salt Lake City, that involves working with the Utah Transit Authority to convert all the buses and trains to accept NFC payments, as well as flooding the area with NFC handsets and SIM chips. And on and on it goes. Well, you're going to get the same thing, of course, in these communitarian areas in Britain as well, because you track everything that you do and every penny that you make. 
And if you make any other penny uh, that's not on a little um, list that you've earned that week, they're going to come and see you. That's what it's all about, too. We also know that Japan's been whacked again by an aftershock. And uh, one report I read said that uh, the plant workers at the stricken plants, the stricken, they're demolished, actually, those plants, uh, have uh, were evacuated. Uh, well, each time they evacuate, you understand you got meltdown. So really, those things were melting down from the very first time they evacuated it. And you can't stop these things once they start. And I also want to put up an article tonight, too, uh, on an ex-governor in Japan who blasts Tepsco's uh, cozy ties to the government. It says, earthquakes and tsunamis are unavoidable natural events, but the ongoing disaster at the Fukushima number 1 nuclear plant was induced by human errors stemming from cozy ties between government bureaucrats and Tokyo Electric Power Company. Former Fukushima govern- governor Isaku Sato told the Japan Times on Wednesday. Sato, who served five terms from 1988 to 2006, said the inappropriate relationship between the government bureaus and the utility often resulted in them burying major troubles, including cracks in reactors and safety shortcomings at TEPCO's two nuclear plants in the prefecture. Their improper bond means that no one was keeping an eye on TEPCO, Sato, 71 years of age, said, adding it ultimately led to an inadequate preparations for the March 11th disaster. The first hint Sato had of inept supervision at the plants was in January in 1989. TEPCO, despite being aware for weeks that one of the reactor coolant pumps at the, at the Fukushima No. 2 plant was malfunctioning, did not report the trouble to the prefectural authorities. He also said he quickly filed a complaint with the Ministry of International Trade and Industry for Development. He felt endangered the public, but TEPCO only received a slap on the wrist and the power plant was back up and running after a temporary shutdown. It's the same across the world, even in factories, by the way. I've seen it myself in my own eyes where inspectors were told of umpteen laws getting broken and they get a backhander under the table by the boss and they go out with their heads down uh, past all the people who complained to them prior to that. It's the same thing everywhere you go. Again, money corrupts, believe you me, and it doesn't matter what position they're in, they're corruptible. That's the unfortunate thing. And that's just what he's getting at here. It says Sato was prompted to take further action in 2002 when a whistleblower claimed TEPCO was hiding malfunctions and cracks in reactors at both Fukushima Number 1 and 2. It turned out that the Nuclear and Industrial Safety Agency had received the same insider information, but in 2000, two years before we did, Sato said, and yet the Nuclear Safety Watchdog under the wing of MITI's successor, the Ministry of Economy, Trade and Industry, not only overlooked the accusation and failed to inform prefectural authorities, it even gave TEPCO a heads up. That's massive bribery and corruption. That's how that works. And it works across the globe. So this actual um, governor himself was up in charges apparently for taking bribes. Where he did or not, I don't know. But uh, sometimes it takes someone who's already under the microscope to blow the whistle on others. And that seems to be what's maybe happening here. Who knows? But I'm sure they had cracks in those uh, pipes and so on and, and various other parts of those reactors long before the tsunami hit. And hence their inability to get everything working uh, very quickly again. Uh, it makes no sense at all. Uh, that uh, all the the big pumps, the big generators went down because, believe you me, those guys could could disassemble those darn things so darn fast and put them back together if they had to. I don't see why they couldn't, 
there's something else at, at the problem here. We also know that those reactors were sold to them by General Electric, and the Mark I was really a, a disaster in the waiting. They also have some of those Mark Ones in the U.S. as well. And another thing they're doing in the wonderful communitarian uh, country of Britain, where socialism is really working ahead, while a small elite get richer and richer and richer, because that's true. The true New World Order, you see, is to eradicate all middle class altogether and have a stinking rich at the top and all the peasants at the bottom, who will be taught to believe they've got a say in things, just like democracy gives you. Social mobility to track uh, people to the age of 30. From, from birth to the age of 30, the government's going to track everyone. Everyone will have their educational and work achievements tracked from the birth, birth to the age of 30 under radical plans to improve social mobility. It was to improve social mobility. Ministers unveiled seven new life chance indicators next week as part of a plan to help children from poorer homes do better. Ho, ho, ho. The indicator measures everything from a person's weight at birth to their university achievements and earnings at the age of 30. What it is, folks, is like any business project. And government is just a bit one big business. It's a corporation. Your country is a corporation, if you didn't know it. It's registered as a corporation. And what they do uh, with an investment, which is you, of course, which you're the only ones who create anything, uh, and you, you're the only ones they can tax, is to make, to try to figure out basically what their income will be a certain year, 2030, 40, whatever it happens to be, and what they can go and spend in the meantime and borrow on, on what they expect to be coming in from each person's lifetime. That's what it's all about in reality. Incredible. It says five-year-olds will be tested for their readiness for school, include their academic ability and ability to listen. I guess I'll drug them if they're not. The measures will be used to judge whether initiatives such as Sure Start programs to help children from poorer homes are effective or should be scrapped, etc., etc., etc. By the way, they've been doing this stuff for years, long before you even heard of a computer. Long before it. There's nothing they didn't know you about you from about the 50s onwards. School up through. Records are never tossed out the window or put in the trash bin. Nothing from any government-sponsored association or paid association is disposed of. It all goes upwards into the big data collection uh, vaults. It's astonishing when you find out just how much data they already had about every single person. And you wonder why and where they got it all from. (laughs) A very, very different world you live in indeed than the one that you've been taught to believe in. Now, there's callers on the telephone. There's Matthew from Arizona there. Are you there, Matthew? Yeah, yes, Alan, a big fan, and I just want to say that anyone listening right now, please contribute to Alan. Um, just like at least five dollars to PayPal or ten dollars or something, you can as much as possible because he's an extremely valuable resource. But I just wanted to say that um, first of all, for them having information, being uh, those who have the access to those kind of resources, that a microchip can fit. By now, what, millions of pieces of information on one microchip? Mind you, it's a microchip. So that, uh, say you have a country like America with 300 million people, why is it such a far-fetched idea that a microchip can be uh, made for each person, uh, considering that one can fit millions of pieces of information on it? <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's easy to do. In fact, there's microchips which they can actually implant in people and then program each chip externally for personal ID, you yeah. 
Yeah, it's not far fetched. They create a virtual you, just like you say. And um, the the people that are in the system and locked in the system. Another point I wanted to make that you were mentioning in one of your uh, videos that the square peg in the round hole of the graduation cap of yep. college graduates that they've been indoctrinated through this insane system. So you see this cap that's this positioned in kind of a, a bleak way um, with, this, with the, the round in the middle and the square at the top and it's positioned in an oblique way um, it is, is a symbol of exactly what's going on. It's the indoctrination into the system of what they want you to learn, not what you wanted to learn because when you go to college, you never learn what comes natural. It's always this forced, you know, learning process with, yeah. the, you know, multi, multiple quests, uh test questions and things that, you know, is it gray, is it gray-blue, is it gray-blue with a tinge of red type questions. And it's so, it's, it has nothing to do with learning. It has to do with yeah. this whole idea of, a, um, you know, a, um, a memory. I mean, I've met people with a, an excellent memory that, aren't, that can't, don't have any creative abilities at all. Yeah. They're totally right-brained, and they do perfect in the educational system. Yeah, they do. They do. That, that, that's very, very true. Uh, because you, you've had a good education doesn't mean you, you've, you've got uh, intellect. It does not mean you've got intellect at all. It means you're a good parrot. It also means you're very susceptible to peer pressure because that's why everyone in the classroom will always go along with the same agenda, the same uh, parroting. Uh, they don't want to stand out from anyone else with a different point of view. So uh, they're perfect for that. And, this, and the studies have been done on them. They're, they're far more politically correct. They could be upgraded much quicker than the rest of society because, they, again, they don't want to, to miss out in their social class. So they're, they're easily programmed and reprogrammed in political correctness for any agenda. And the, the big universities have actually done studies on it. And, again, I've got it in uh, cuttingthroughthematrix.com's archive there. So, but it's interesting, too, that, that little hat that we're, you know, uh, it's, it's really a hod. It's a form of hod of masonry where they used to put the bricks on it. That's what it symbolizes. Underneath it, the round part is what the, the real normal stone, which is round. The rolling stone is round, you see. They make you abnormal. And you've got that little limp uh, uh, little thing hanging down there. That's sort of got another symbol as well. Back with more after this break. Hi, folks. We're back, and we're cutting through the matrix, and we'll go to Carmen from New York now, if Carmen's there. Hello? Is Carmen there? Hey, Alan. Yes, hello. Hey, thank you for taking my call. Mm-hmm. Um, it's great to talk to you. It's an honor. Uh, thank you for everything that you do. I uh, I just had one question. Uh-huh. Um, I was wondering, um, are you yourself taking the potassium iodide and... Uh, should people on the east coast of the United States and Canada be concerned? Or do you think that, uh, like, people in our area are okay? Well, they've admitted themselves before they blanketed out all the news on it from the EPA that, uh, and sort of the European French sites and uh, German sites that um, they'd already found radioactive iodine in uh, the east coast of, of the U.S. and going across the Atlantic, and they expected to reach uh, France, I think, last week it was, early last week, which it did. So um, 
I think anyone who can take precautions should take them. Uh, everyone really is depleted in this stuff t- to begin with because if you notice, uh, the, the culture that's been created now has been uh, very low on a fish diet, salt fish or sea fish diet and uh, kelp and so on, that's for sure. But the problem is that was developed for the military too, we've got to remember, to get them through to fight a battle and win. It didn't matter if they died afterwards and technically you're still breathing this stuff in too and it's embedding in your lungs. So... Um, Mutations happen very, very quickly with these things when it hits the particular types of tissue especially. But it isn't just that. Uh, we've got uh, traces of strontium coming over as well, and there's thorium, and there's even um, strontium-90, I should say, which is really nasty stuff. One molecule in the lungs all it takes to cause genetic changes. So it's really been played down. But any precautions that folk can take for themselves, they should absolutely take if they can afford it. Um, and they can get access to it, you know. So uh, I, you can't listen to governments when it comes to this kind of stuff. It would fall in with the depopulation plans. Uh, even the, a lot of the cancers won't start to be uh, visible until maybe 5 to 15 years for a lot of people, and I'm sure that, that would fall in with depopulation and sterility too. They want to bring down the population uh, um, drastically. Uh, in fact, uh, Rockefeller himself asked for um, rapid depopulation, and I kept wondering how is he going to get it at a world meeting, mind you? How is he going to get it? Either put out a bacterium or a virus into the into the people, or well, bingo, this came along, and they're certainly using it to their advantage. But um, do what you can for your, for yourself. But the problem is, we we got to go outside, we got to breathe. And uh, the problem, again, too, is so much of the stuff is brought in, you're ingesting it through the food, too, obviously, because this stuff is coming down with the dew in the mornings or at night, and it's coming down in rain, and it will definitely be contaminating the, the earth as well. They had the same problem when, when uh, we had the problem in Russia years ago, uh, when the, the reactor melted down, different kind of reactor, but given off similar stuff. And they trace it right across Europe uh, and, and Britain even, and where the winds, prevailing winds went to. And they're still f- finding the occasional uh, mutation in newborn babies on that particular path that the winds uh, followed. So, you know, it's, it's a disastrous thing. It's one of the worst things we can... This stuff doesn't occur in nature, understand, these radioactive substances. They're man-made and the planet cannot deal with them, and technically we're not meant to deal with them either. But do what you can for yourself, and that's the best advice I can give you. It's kind of helpless to the extent, but it's the best I can give you. But thanks for calling. And Darlene from Colorado, you have to call again. And I'll also put a spoof video up on Obama reassuring the American public about the safety of radiation in America. From Hamish myself, Frontier, Canada, it's good night, near God, or your gods go with you.